You're listening to the regular podcast from Pete the Vet's blog. This was first broadcast on East Coast FM. Pete Weatherburn, the vet is here. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, Declan. Now, one of the things in the world of animals and uh, the puppy farm, farm thing is continuing. I think there was uh, yes. that puppy who was rescued in Carlo died um, uh, over the week. Um, there was all mm. sorts of um, fallout from the BBC programme. There was, and the, the ISPCA raided a puppy farm about 10 days ago now. Um, they, they confiscated over 50 animals well, during the raid because they were so badly kept, and then they got a um, they got the place closed down in a couple of days after that, and they they then uh, took in over two hundred animals. The rest of the animals that were living on the puppy farm, they took them in, and they then um, uh, they've gone into animal sanctuaries around the country, places like Dogs Trust and lots of smaller places as well. So there was a, a huge um, amount of animal rescues have been carried out in the last week, which is good. And um, animals have been quite active in the news. In the um, on Monday, there was the first um, prosecution. For, for uh, under the new animal health and welfare legislation, um, the first prosecution took place. There was a woman in Donegal who had abandoned her dog, um, and the dog had been left without food and um, with no access to water. And um, she was that that um, went through the court. She pleaded guilty, um, and there's now a pause. And then they're going. To, the judge is going to sentence her. In, so in, what, in what in July. she? Uh she, she abandoned her. Well, um, it, it's it's very significant, and the significance of it is, is has been somewhat lost, I think, in the, in the reporting of it. What happened was she she moved out of the house and she left the dog in the kitchen. That's what happened. Now, um, somebody went to see the house, uh, and they could see through the window there's a dog in the kitchen. Then two days later, the dog was still in the kitchen. They hadn't seen any sign of anybody. So that's when um, the place was was was. Broke, was raided, obviously, and the dog was found without food and without access to water. So that's what happened. Now, the significance of this is that under the old legislation, the old Irish animal cruelty laws, the, the owner could still not have been prosecuted for anything because the dog wasn't actually suffering. The little dog was clearly hungry and thirsty, but it wasn't showing any physical sign of that. When you look at the little dog, it looked frightened and thin, but it didn't have any injuries and it wasn't emaciated to the point where its bones were sticking out and, you know, um, it, it wasn't ill because of its neglect. It wasn't yet ill. So because of that, under the old legislation, you could not prove that the, 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 the owner had been cruel to the dog because there was no physical evidence that the animal was actually suffering. Whereas under the new legislation, which just came in last March, that's March 2014... Under the new legislation, you have to provide for the f- for your animals' health and welfare. You have to provide what's called the five freedoms, which include freedom from hunger and thirst. And because she did not provide the dog to be free of hunger and thirst, that means she's guilty of a crime under that legislation. So the incident actually happened in March 2014. So it happened in the few days after the new legislation had been had been brought in. And it's then taken about a year for it to track through the court system. Um, so um, that's why this is such significant news. It's the first of many cases that are in the pipeline of people being prosecuted, not because the animals have directly, physically um, suffered, but because 
they haven't had their five freedoms provided to them. We're now all obligated to provide those five freedoms. Why do people, and I don't know anything about this case and uh, others will uh, decide uh, naturally in court about uh, various cases, but why do people keep animals if they don't treat them properly? That's a very good question. I, I, I think what happens is they start off with the concept that they'd like to have an animal in their life. Perhaps they feel sorry for an animal they come across. Um, perhaps it's just the concept of having a cute puppy. Um, they like the idea of it at the start of their ownership, if you like. But then what happens is their life gets busy and complicated and stuff happens to them and the animal moves way down the priorities and, um, and eventually the animal is forgotten about and they stop caring for the animal. Now, you know, some some extent you can feel sorry for people in these situations. They've got themselves into awkward places, into... into um, uh, they didn't mean to actually neglect the animal, you could say. But the problem is that they do neglect the animal and animals have no power and no voice, so the law is there to protect them. So what people have to learn is that however bad your situation is, you have a legal obligation and responsibility to care for the animals that you've taken under your wing. And if you don't care for them properly, then the law will um, will act against you and you'll get into trouble. So even though you're already, I suppose, morally and ethically bound to look after the animal, you're now also legally bound to look after the animal. So if you don't do it, you're going to get into trouble. So this message has to go out loud and clear to everybody who has ownership of an animal or indeed who's contemplating ownership of an animal. You can't just have an animal for a bit of fun in the good times. If you have an animal, you're bound for life. And the only way out of it is for you to find a good alternative outcome. And there are plenty of animal um, rescue groups and people who care about animals who will help you if you get into trouble. If, if you find that you can't care for the animal there's somebody else will take over for you. So, you know, um, you have to go looking for help, though. You can't just ignore the problem. You have to deal with it. Right. And the whole point is that this new legislation will force people to deal with it rather than allowing them to get away um, with just um, ignoring the animals in their lives and the animals suffering as a consequence. Right. It's Pete Weatherburn, our vet, uh, here. Um, Pete is an old Connor in um, Bray and his website is petethevet.com. He's got an article from the Irish Examiner in front of him. What's the first sentence of that, Pete? Yes, what it says was that more than 50 dead snakes, tarantulas and venomous scorpions have been recovered from a house in Cork as part of the largest animal seizure of its kind in the city. This is something which uh, action was taken by the Cork Society for the Prevention of Cruelty animal, uh, to Animals and um, it was a house actually in Douglas. And um, so, what about all those animals? I mean, it's presumably yeah. it's okay to have all those animals. You don't need a. Do you need a license to bring in all those sort of different, the ones that are actually mentioned? Well, you see, this is a very much a, a kind of grey area. There aren't specific. I mean, there are some animals where import and export. Uh, is is very tightly controlled uh, endangered species there's a there's there's international legislation um which draws up lists of animals but i believe some of these were actually bred but when it comes you know, to i mean although those names here, like. those animals like things like snakes tarantulas and so and scorpions although they sound very exotic and exciting and rare it's actually quite easy to breed lots of these 
in captivity and there's very very limited legislation controlling what you can do with um, you know anybody can keep those the, um, in some countries they've got sort of dangerous animal laws that mean that you you only you, you can only um, keep these creatures with licenses and so on in Ireland there are no such laws we have nothing so, so people can just do what they want within limits and that's where this new animal welfare legislation comes in again in some ways you could argue you don't need to have specific laws for these creatures because all that you have to do is make sure that people um, look after the animals look after their welfare properly. Again, it comes down to their five freedoms. You have to provide the animals with those five freedoms. And the freedoms, just briefly, are freedom from hunger and thirst, freedom from pain and discomfort, freedom from illness, freedom to express natural behaviours, and freedom from fear and, and distress. So you have to provide those five freedoms to every animal. So clearly in this house in Cork, those five freedoms weren't being provided for the snakes, tranches and scorpions. They weren't being allowed to um, express their natural behaviour. They weren't in the correct environment that they were meant to be. And under that, under the, under that legislation, Criteria, this sort of situation yeah, can, be, can be sorted out. Okay, uh, another one here that's just come in on, on the text. Is there a rescue a remedy for a rescue dog to calm down uh, before new baby here, a Springer Spaniel? Um, Do you get the idea that... She the, wants a rescue remedy. Rescue yeah. remedy is one of those sort of essential oils type products that um, people sometimes claim great things for and you know effective as they may be in some situations if you've got a, a dog that's frightened and nervous and dog might a, attack the baby I think that's probably at the it, extreme end of it but you look, if, if there's a jealousy not, thing isn't look there? that's not likely to happen the point is though that you can't just use something like a, a, a like an essential oil to transform the personality of a, a and behaviour of a dog. It's much more deep-seated than that. You have to look at the whole picture. I mean, the one thing I'd like about um, rescue remedies is that they're part of what you might call the holistic movement. And that means, holistic means looking at everything. And that's what you need to do in a situation like this. You can't just have a quick fix with a dab of oil behind the ears. You have to be holistic, which means you have to look at all aspects of that dog's life. How much exercise is it getting? What sort of diet is it on? Um, how much time does it spend just by itself getting bored? Um, what sort of interactions does it have with people in the house? You have to look at all of those aspects and you have to address them properly. A lot of dog behavioural problems are solved very simply by giving the dog loads more exercise. So, um, you know, if, a do if you're not taking your dog out for an hour of boisterous exercise twice a day then you know um, you can do that and you'll solve a lot of behavioural problems a lot of dogs just get in into mischief and become bouncy and energetic and what people might say difficult simply because they've got too much energy that's not been burned up so loads of exercise is a really good fix for lots of dog problems um, but uh, you're telling me there's not an issue of jealousy no, I wouldn't say that's what it is at all. It's much no, more complicated. The much baby more, hasn't arrived yet. It's much more complicated than that. Right. I mean, the, the thing is, you you do need to objectively analyse the whole dog's lifestyle. That's the only way to begin to solve this sort of issue. People want quick fixes. They want tablets and they want simple methods. Can I do this and solve it? It's not as simple as that. You have to look at the whole picture. And that's 
time-consuming and a bit tedious, but that's the way to do it. All right, Pete Weatherburn, great to see you again, and you can hear this broadcast again on Pete's website, which is petethevet.com.